Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Natalie, I'm feeling thankful. I'm feeling grateful on this Friday. Um, you know, time is our most valuable resource, of course. And with all the options, I always say this. I say this about people that I encounter uh, in public. I say this about people who have watched and consumed my content over the years. I'm sure you feel the same way about people who watch and consume your content or who even engage with you on social media. Um, there are a lot of options for people with their time. Uh, a lot of things people can watch, a lot of people things, things people can listen to, um, people can follow, and, it, and I'm flattered because it's, it's the greatest compliment that we can receive uh, when anybody decides to take time out of their day, their precious time out of their day to watch us on Peacock Live, subscribe and watch us on YouTube uh, listen to us on Sirius XM channel 85 NBC Sports Audio. Follow us at Holly and Smith on all your various social media platforms or listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. When people de- determine that that's how they want to spend their time, there's not a greater compliment that they can give us. And furthermore, the reason I love to uh, respond to and, 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 and uh, receive everybody's comments is because you're not just watching, but then you're making a conscious decision to write a thought. Good, bad, indifferent. Even if you're telling us how awful we are, even if you're telling us how much you love us, even if you're telling us how, 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 how stupid we are, what an idiotic take Michael just had, Michael Smith, idiotic take Michael just had, or what a, what a, what a brilliant and thoughtful and insightful and nuanced conversation we just had, whatever it is, I just think it's really cool for somebody to just decide, hey, I got something to say and I'm gonna take the time to write it. So I start this show off by saying thank you for your comments. Thank you for your consumption. Thank you for supporting this here show. And with that, Natalie, who's in charge of looking at these comments, because I'm sensitive, so I don't like looking at the comments. Natalie goes and she and she figures out the words that we're gonna address. because uh, she's our among many hats that she wears, she's our social media um, producer. So Natalie, take it away. Yeah, we had some great conversations this week and there were two topics that really uh, our audience gave us a lot of feedback on and that was the the many different variations of the MVP discussion we had and also Eric the enemy. So why don't we just get right into it and see what they're talking about? Now, I hope you didn't pick out all the people agreeing with you. Let me see who like what I had to say. <laughs> so I did not go that route. And I mean, okay. my, my take is polarizing. So there were lots of people not agreeing with me. I was actually uh, more shocked at the number of people who did, to be honest, you know? So it was like, it, it was just a polarizing sort of discussion. Uh, but it always is. And it always is. And I feel like the same stuff comes up every year. But, you know, I would say to the point that I've been making in terms of where I feel like there's been a shift in the MVP, um, the way 
the way the voting is occurring, I think there's been a shift since Russ. I know you you disagree with me on that, but I, I do. And I think there is a focus more on sort of the excellence an individual player is doing on his team, not regardless of the standings, but the standings don't seem to be having as much weight. So you're putting up this amazing triple du double season. You're putting up a lot of just incredible stats. There seems to be a more willingness to to award it to players like that. And so that's why um, I picked the the comments that I, I had. Can you put them back up on the screen? Because one of the comments was basically someone asking, maybe we just need to have like a most outstanding player and then also an MVP. And this is a topic that has come up before. Uh, and then there was another one that I thought was a really interesting suggestion. And it said the regular season and finals MVP should be unified and then awarded at the beginning of the following season. Um, and that way it captures kind of what I'm saying about the postseason and what people are saying about the regular season award. So I just I, I don't think I've ever heard that. I've heard the first one, but I thought this might be something that, you know, if we're going to be going to this approach, because what I feel like what happens with Jokic is people keep reminding us, look at what he's doing. His season's incredible. And it is incredible. But like I said in my feed, having the best stats or being the best player doesn't necessarily mean you're most valuable. And what I mean by that is like, it doesn't mean that you have more value to your team than some of the other players whose stats look different. You know, they're all putting up stats, but to me, that's a way to still honor someone who's having an amazing season, but also to continue to also honor another player with MVP. And whether Jokic gets the MVP and it's another player who gets the most outstanding, but I just think that this is an idea that I've seen before, but maybe should be given more consideration. So I appreciate the suggestions. I appreciate the solutions, but I don't think there's a problem here. I don't think that there's something that's broken and needs to be fixed. In fact, I think it's working perfectly. And the reason it's working perfectly is because there's so much passion year in and year out about MVP. The MVP debate starts a week into the season damn near. And I know it frustrates a lot of people such as yourself when we try to call the race before it's finished, but it, it's a topic that carries NBA conversation throughout the entire regular season and beyond if it's a controversial selection or an unpopular selection. So I don't think it's broken at all. So I don't think we need to fix it. Um, I get that people want the postseason to be recognized as part of this process, but that's what finals MVP is for. And some would say, some would argue that finals MVP is more prestigious than no. regular season MVP. That's a, that's a new I, I, thing. I, I'm, not, I'm not one of those people, but, but I'm saying some people believe. Thing. That's but that's new. That like that the the finals MVP was never a legacy award. That's only a recent thing. It, it was sort of with Kobe, and it was really harped on with Steph. It was never a thing before. You talked about a player's no, MVP. No, it, yeah. I, no it, it, it's always been a legacy award because champion because finals MVP is synonymous with championships. The greatest players in NBA history all have one or more finals MVPs. The reason it was a thing with Steph, and I wasn't one of these people, Natalie, so don't jump on me, but the reason it was a thing with Steph is because how does somebody this great, for whatever reason, not have finals MVP? It was such a glaring hold on his resume because of his all-time greatness. That was the one that was the one like magic Michael bird. Everybody all had finals MVP and here's Steph without it. 
he arguably should have already had one. That's the only the reason horn. why it was a legacy thing with Steph. I feel but it's always about been this. okay. Be my guest. Sorry. I shouldn't have interrupted you. No, well, no, you're not. Well, you're not actually my. You're not actually my guest. You're my co-host. Go right ahead. What I'm saying, it, it, it didn't hold the same level of prestige. And this is no disrespect to some of the players that have won, but Paul Pierce, Chauncey Billups, uh, Tony Parker, James Can you Worthy, stop with Paul, Paul Pierce? Can you stop with Paul Pierce real quick? I'm a, I'm a, sure. we'll, we'll go back and forth. When Paul Pierce was finals MVP, he declared himself the best player in the world. The best player in the world, unofficial. I know it's a joke, but I'm serious. The, be, the unofficial title of best player in the world was often manifested in a finals MVP award. Those players, like remember when, when Dwayne Wade brought the, the heat back against the Mavericks, LeBron was the best player at the time, but Dwayne Wade had a case as best player in the world because he did it on the biggest stage. That Giannis, when he was MVP back-to-back -back years, when Giannis won Finals MVP, that's when he when he laid, laid claim to best player in the world. So I'm not saying Finals MVPs have always been the greatest players of all time. No, there are exceptions: Andre Iguodala, Chauncey Billups, so on and so forth. Many exceptions: uh, Cedric Maxwell, so on and so forth. It's about that series, but typically your Finals MVPs and the best player in the game are often one and the same. The Giannis, the FMVP thing was after Steph. So like, that's why, like that, you know, like I said, it was sort of there with 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 uh, Kobe, even though that wasn't like the explicit debate because it was, oh, he can't win without Shaq. So it was sort of underlying and inherent. And that's why I kind of always likened Steph to Kobe because I feel like they went through similar things when he played with like, with, with Shaq and people trying to downplay Kobe. And then when Steph played with Kevin Durant, even though he had won before Kevin Durant got there, trying to downplay him. But it's just, I just, I, the, the, it was prestige because they won the championship, not because of the finals MVP. And I, I, I think they usually think went that, hand in hand. They, it was rare. It was, I mean, Jordan got a, a, a bunch of finals MVPs, Kareem, Magic, like they, the greatest play, like it's, it's an Absolutely. exception. When when the best player on the best team or the best player in the league does not receive finals MVP. That is rare. LeBron never won a championship and not finals MVP, for example. But back yeah. to back to these suggestions. But back to these suggestions. The problem is the subjectivity involved. And it's not even a problem. I say problem, it's not really a problem. Whether you however you define most valuable, however you define outstanding player of the year. You're never going to remove the subjectivity because as I've said, and as you just said, everybody's got stats, which is where the narrative comes in. So it's all going to be a matter of opinion, whether you award it at the end of the regular season or whether you award it at the beginning of the next season. It's all going to be a matter of opinion. My issue with combining them, though, is I do think the regular seat, like if we really don't want the regular season to matter, if we want to put the nail in the coffin for the regular season, then we ignore, then we eliminate a regular season award. As long as the regular season is 82 games and it matters, there should be a regular season award and the finals MVP will take care of itself when ultimately the best player, best team, I beg your pardon, led by the best player, hoist the championship. Okay, well, I'll just say this last thing. I feel like the regular season is starting to matter less and less. And I don't yeah. think there's an issue with the MVP now, but I think it's trending in a certain direction, which is why I think this conversation about outstanding and an MVP. What direction is that trending to? To a, a much like a... more, yeah, to much more focus on like, 
the stats you're putting up and much less about you being at the the top of the standings. I feel like we've had like a, a few outliers and it's going more in that direction. We'll see if it continues. Yo, and they Yoke is just still at the top of the West. Yoke is just still at the top of the West. So he wasn't last year when they were the sixth seed. He wasn't, but, and Russ was okay. not. No, he, no, right. There have been two exceptions in recent memory, but for the most part, standings have mattered. But I, I, I hear your concern, and I appreciate your concern. One of uh, what was the other topic? You said Eric Bieniemy. A lot of people had comments on on Eric Bieniemy. Give me a give me a sampling of those, please. Yeah. So with Eric uh, Bieniemy, you know, uh, me included, I got up here and you know I joined the conversation with you and Jim Trotter and and Mike Jones and I was just saying like, look, I just don't like this move and he shouldn't have to do this. And there was a lot of you know arguments in that direction, but you actually were saying the reasons why it could be good for him and I and. It's, it's just not a, a discussion point that I'm hearing as much. So the two comments sort of reflected that. But one of the comments, the first one said that we're making an assumption that Kansas City wanted Eric Bieniemy back. Um, and I thought that was just interesting because we are sort of making that assumption. And then the other one is about the fact that this will be good for him. They're kind of predicting he's going to end up as the coach of the, of the Saints. But I think more importantly... They're saying that this is gonna make him better. And I think I think what's so important about what you said, Mike, in this comment is that it will, right? He's gonna get to call plays and anytime you're gaining more experience, that's always going to make you better. So that will be a good thing. I think what our issue is, is that we see a number of coaches who don't have to do that. They didn't have the experience right. and they can still get the job. Right. And it's it, for us, it seems unfair that he has to do that to, to, to yeah. maybe get a head coaching job especially his predecessors under Andy Reid. Look, we know that the goalpost is going to be moved for us. We know that we have to be twice as good. But like I said to you off camera the other day, in EB's case, he'll be twice good. He's, you know, you already got to be twice as good, but now he could be twice good and show what he has. Again, he shouldn't have to. But what's the alternative? Just to sit back at four yards and to say, all right, well, I ain't working no more. Well, now he gets to go somewhere, run the show on that side of the ball, and as we saw yesterday, and we'll hear from shortly, he got to show his head coach um, chops, his, 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 his head coach qualifications under fire right off the bat. So let's first hear from Eric Bieniemy from his introductory press conference with the commanders yesterday, and then hear from somebody who was there. Eric David Aldridge with the Astros. Mr. Aldridge, it's yes, nice sir. to meet you. <laughs> Welcome to D.C., my man. Uh, what are your non-negotiables as an offensive coach, as a coordinator with, with your players? Lack of details. And understand this. I, I say that, and nothing is ever perfect, okay? But one thing that's very important to me is learning to make second effort a habit. So if you can't play with any effort, I, I, I got a personal problem with that because it requires no God-given ability to play with second effort. Blessed to be joined by who you just heard from, uh, David Aldridge. Uh, you know, look, Eric Bieniemy said, it's nice to meet you, sir. Okay. <laughs> he knew he knew he was talking uh, to a legend and David Aldridge who was uh, to talk to us now. David, you overheard us. You were there at the press conference yesterday. You wrote a, a, a powerful column for the athletic today about how the NFL um, has failed uh, when it comes to promoting a clearly qualified candidate. We all agree on that. But meanwhile, um, if you're smart, 
you would bet on him helping to turn around the commander's offense. What's, what's some of your other takeaways from not just what you saw yesterday in that press conference, what you heard yesterday in a press conference, but from just Eric Bieniemy uh, having to take this route. We know he should be a head coach, but in the meantime, I like this route that he's taking. What say you? I think it's a good move for him. Um, and, I, and I know that there are people that think that this is a parallel move. I, I don't really think it is because whatever whatever the reality was of his situation in Kansas City, whether he was calling some of the plays or not call, or, or calling half of the plays or less, the perception was Andy Reid was calling the plays. No matter what the reality was, the perception was Andy Reid's that he running was the that brains. Yeah. Yeah. So no matter what hand Eric had in it, whether he had hand in the in the game planning or in the game day uh, calls, it didn't matter. The everybody believed Andy Reid was running the show. So right. so now in Washington, it is clear Eric Bieniemy's running the show offensively. It's his show. Yep. Ron Rivera yep. was hands off with Scott Turner, gave him three years, wasn't good enough. But he yeah. never micromanaged Scott Turner. He always let Scott Turner do what he wanted. Sometimes he would say, I'm not sure why Scott's doing this, but he doesn't. Um, clearly, he wanted to change. He said so yesterday. And it's what I, one of the things I got to give Rivera credit for, because when he fired Scott Turner, I wrote this. I said, you got to hire somebody that's good enough to replace you. Mm. You know, if you're really secure in yourself, you're going to hire somebody that can step in and replace you if things don't go right next year. And he did that. Mm -hmm. He went out and got the best guy, the best guy. I didn't even have the enemy on my list because I thought there's just no way they could get him. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. the fact that they were able to get him, give him a different title, give him more money, whatever, they got him. I don't care how they got him. They got him. Um, and I'll get to that. Gonna, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. He's going to get what? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, he, it's, he's going to get every opportunity to make this his offense. Yes. Yes. It's not going to and, be, oh, he's just, oh, Patrick Mahomes. He's just writing Mahomes' coattails. Right. Sam right. Howell ain't Patrick right. Mahomes. Hello. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? So if they have right. success offensively, it's going to work. It's going to work to Eric's advantage in terms of whatever he wants to do next. Hey, let me state the obvious. That is never yeah. an issue for white coaches. Never. See Nathaniel Hackett. It is never, never an issue for white coaches if they don't call plays. It is never right. an issue for white coaches if they ride Tom Brady's or Aaron Rodgers right. or Andy Reid's or anybody else's coattails. It's only being used against Eric Bieniemy. We all know yep. that. We understand that. But I'm just saying that for the people in the back. So there's that part. <laughs> However, since Eric Bieniemy cannot hire himself, yeah. To me, what I love about this, Nat is he gets to go somewhere as David just pointed out run the show. This isn't Patrick Mahomes mold a quarterback and he molded Patrick Mahomes, but mold another quarterback like, oh, you know, like I love his line about comfort being the enemy of progress. He had nothing else right. to prove nothing else to gain nothing else to win in Kansas City. So even though yeah. his resume is impressive enough, Go make it an even better resume. Maybe he's the heir apparent in DC. I'm not wishing Ron Rivera gets fired, but maybe right. he's next in line in DC. Who knows what the future holds if he goes there and crushes it. Speaking of crush, that perception that David just alluded to, Natalie, we all know LaShawn McCoy perpetuated it. Yeah. And he and Eric Bienemy yesterday, there was a he had a, every opportunity to defend himself. What did he do? 
everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I got a job to do here. That was head coach like in my opinion, Natalie. It was and you know, I said he gave uh, LaShawn McCoy more grace than he deserved personally, in my opinion. But I, I am curious to know, David, what are your thoughts on what LaShawn McCoy had to say? Listen, at the very end of his commentary, he did say, look, I want him to succeed. And I think we all mm -hmm. want him to succeed. I was not comfortable with the approach and the way that he took to criticize Eric Bieniemy. But do you think there's any validity to what uh, LaShawn McCoy was saying about him? Uh, look, LaShawn McCoy has forgotten more about football than I'll ever know, okay? I, I understand that. He played in the National Football League. I played three weeks of junior varsity football at DeMatha Catholic High School. <laughs> I understand there's a difference in, in our expertise here. I'll just say this. If you're going to come at Eric Bieniemy with some static and some noise, I need to see some rings on your finger, Hoss, because <laughs> he's got two. <laughs> okay. So if you're going to talk about him and say he can't do this, he doesn't do that, give me some credentials besides what, you know, I'm just, I played in the National Football League. I mean. Well, LaShawn LaShaw, LaShaw exactly. got one or two, yeah. but, but, he, but, but, but he wasn't, as Charles Barkley now is, is famous, he wasn't driving a bus. He was a passenger. He was a passenger when he got his. You want to tell me yeah. Eric Bieniemy was just along for the ride for those two? Yeah. I'm yeah. going to disagree with you. You know, respectfully, right. I'm going to disagree with you. Um, with but here's the thing. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, with thing. all due respect to LaShawn McCoy, you know, yes, yeah. obviously he has more knowledge than all of us. But me personally, I'm going to listen to Patrick Mahomes, who was the quarterback who people think, you know, yeah. the enemy riding his coattails, who basically just squashed anything that, uh, <laughs> that uh, Shady had to say. Yeah. But DA, check this out, though. Yep. Let's, okay. It was, I know it was uncomfortable for me. I'm not going to speak, I, I, but I assume it was for you as well. To see mm -hmm. a black man get up there and perpetuate a stereotype about a black coach in a time when we know that black coaches have to fight these perceptions, fight these yeah. stereotypes, and that, black, and that the hiring of black coaches or the lack thereof is at the forefront of the NFL uh, social justice or whatever you want to call it. It takes all of us in racism conversation, right? Yeah. So that was uncomfortable. But, but... Let's mm -hmm. say, let's just say that there is some modicum of truth to what LaShawn McCoy had to say. Or at minimum, let's just say he said the quiet part out loud. Let's just say he said what owners and general managers, what they believe to be the case and what they're saying behind closed doors when they decide not to hire Eric Bieniemy. All of that, going back to the present and the future, which is where Eric mm -hmm. wants to reside, D.A., he now has a chance to put to rest. Not that he should, but again, I didn't. I didn't like that Michelle McCoy said it. But what I like is that Eric Bieniemy now has a chance to get the last word on it. Well, yes, of course. And again, if you can raise this dysfunctional organization <laughs> up to a level of just competence on the football field, just regular old. 10 and 6, we made the playoffs competence. <laughs> if you could do that, it would be, you know, an enormous uh, feather in, in Eric Bieniemy's cap. And, and again, I'm not, look, I'm not saying Eric Bieniemy's perfect. I'm not saying he doesn't have baggage. Matt Patricia had baggage. <laughs> you know, Matt Diggy right. had baggage. Lots right. of, everybody got baggage. We all got baggage. Everybody. If you look deeply enough, 
I'm saying that baggage didn't stop those guys from getting hired. And the baggage yeah. always stops right. Eric Bien from getting hired. That's what I'm saying. Amen. Amen. A- abs- amen. Um, speaking of speaking of baggage, um, yeah. the, the baggage with the commander starts at the top. They got their own baggage. It <laughs> uh, starts at the top. Um, what do you what do you think about this process? I've, I've always been one of those. I'll believe it when I see it when it yeah. comes to Daniel Snyder actually selling the team. Uh, word yesterday that Jeff Bezos and his name has always been linked to the commanders. Sure. He's sniffing around uh, from employee to employer. Hey, Jeff, it's Mike, Mike Smith. Uh, hurry up and buy this team. Like what's what's your what are your thoughts on this on this process? If there actually is one when it comes to the sale of the commanders. No, I think the process is a legitimate one. I think they're going through it. Look, they're trying to break the bank on this one. You know what I'm saying? The Broncos went for four and a half, right? I guarantee you they're trying to get seven or eight for the commanders. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. whether you think that's worthy or not is not the point. (laughs) The point is they're the next team that's for sale. They're trying to break the bank. So they're lining everybody up on this one, including Bezos, including uh, Harris, uh, all of the people that, that we've heard have been mentioned that have been and already toured the facility and things like that. So they're trying to put a number out there that's going to be the standard going forward. And I think there's a very good chance they're going to get the number because, again, this team's been so bad for so long that whoever comes in is going to be the proverbial white knight, (laughs) okay? They're going to have a parade for whoever buys this (laughs) team. That's why I'm that's why I said if they do that that buys this team, okay? (laughs) You know what I mean? But that's why that's why I said if there is one, because I'm just like ding dong the witch is dead. It's like Snyder going this quietly, this easy, easily would be the most un-Daniel Snyder-like thing he could do. I want to go to yeah. the NBA with you, too, while we got you. We can't have David Aldridge on here and not talk NBA. And let's stay in, on, in the conversation of, of, of historically, historically yeah. dysfunctional mm-hmm. franchises, not at present, uh, and I'm talking about the LA Clippers, who then yeah. go and introduce Russell Westbrook into the equation. Here's Lawrence mm-hmm. Frank and Russell Westbrook. Russ's strengths in terms of the force, the intensity, the rim pressure, the ability to get downhill, um, the uh, just his general style of play and just uh, who he is. We felt that those strengths can also do it. And look, no player does does it all, right? I mean, the every player's strengths and weaknesses, um, and I think Russ's strengths, I think, will blend in well with the group. We do so many great things here well, and I think the, the most important part for me is just coming in keeping the pace high, um, using my speed and ability to better get in the paint and get those guys easy shots, I think, where I can help out a lot. And um, everything else, man, I'll, I'll fit right in and continue got, uh, doing what they have going on right now and uh, everything else will uh, play out itself. Diaz, is this going to work? <laughs> uh, you know, I have my doubts, to be honest with you. Um, I yeah. do think... <laughs> I do think Russ can put pace into the game. I think he can do that. Um, They they tried that with John Wall. I thought it was going to work, but then John got hurt and and it just didn't work Mm -hmm. out. Um, But they desperately need more pace. They need, they need more possessions in the game um, to, to maximize their strengths. I do think the different, there there is a difference. I do think that the Clippers have more with PG and with Kawhi. They've got two guys that really 
essentially handle the ball and can be the point guard if necessary, right? And so my question is, what happens when you get into a playoff situation and the game does slow down because it always slows down in the playoffs and you just can't get pace into it? How do you, where do you play Russell in the, in those games? Because we all know the formula, play, go under every screen. We know what the formula is. Correct. You know, it's not, it's not a secret. Um, so I just wonder in those situations, you know, how does he help you? Because, you know, nobody cares if you make seven, nine from the field. In fact, they'd rather he take nine shots. You know what I mean? Like, so that's the, that's the, that's what everybody knows. And so I don't know how in a playoff situation he helps you, but if you're saying, Hey, we, we want to get to the playoffs with the highest seat as possible. Okay. It's worth taking the shot. I was, a, the thing that surprised me a little bit was that they got rid of Reggie Jackson too. That was what surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, from the Clippers standpoint, um, I think you could have made, I could have made a case that maybe you could even play those two together. Cause Reggie's, you know, Reggie's more of a, well, can handle some off guard responsibilities. You know what I mean? So, um, I was surprised they just went all in on Russ being the point guard and assuring that he's going to play heavy minutes right away. I'm just not sure you know, that that's a, that's the best role for him at this point of his career. And, and he, you know, he played off the bench for Darvin Ham. I'm sure if Teron Liu came to him with the same job description, I can't see why he would say no to that. You know what I mean? So yeah. I do. I just wonder. I think it's it's not that it's a bad signing for them. I just don't know what the what the ceiling is in terms of the, the return on your investment. So David, uh, you know, it's been announced at least. For right now, I guess with Russ coming in, that he is mm-hmm. going to start, and Terrence Mann is going yeah. to the bench. Yeah. And I, when I see that, I mean, look, we know Tyron Luna Lou is not a coach who is afraid to like bench his starters and and right. things like that. So I'm not concerned about that. But I'm just wondering how it affects the Clippers, who look like they were starting to show some chemistry, and now you're you're sending Mann back to the bench after he's right. been performing. What that sort of does for the team. Yeah, and that's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, T-Man have been playing pretty well for them um, the last few games. Now, if you're saying, hey, in the playoffs, we don't want to put that kind of pressure on a, on a still young, a developed, no, he's not a rookie, but a still young point guard. Um, we don't want him to have to expose him to 35 minutes a game. Okay. I mean, like I said, I understand that there's a role for Russ. Um, I just, you know, I'm not sure that giving Russ 28, 30 minutes a game is the way to go either. Now, maybe they won't. Like I said earlier, maybe they'll have PG bringing the ball up a lot. And it'll be more spot minutes here and there for us, particularly, you know, starting quarters and things like that, where he could have some real impact with a second unit or something like that. Um, but it's, I'll say this, to your point, now, I think if if anybody can figure this out, it's T. Lou. I mean, Tehran is is great at kind of getting guys to buy into whatever it is he's doing. And he'll hold Russ accountable. If he doesn't think he's getting back on defense, he's going to let him know about it, you know? And, and um, yeah. I think from that standpoint, from the chemistry of the team standpoint, I don't think it'll be a problem. I'm just talking about on the floor, <laughs> just like how yeah. they play and, and the, the results that they get when they play, especially when the game slows down. Hey, DA, before we let you go, man, how many years have you been voting for NBA MVP? I mean, I haven't voted every year because I cover football for a little while. I would say probably, I'd say 26, 27. So you've seen 
every debate, every conversation, every discussion, every narrative. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Just to kind of bring this full circle, Natalie and I spent this week talking about um, the evolution of the award, uh, the discussion around the award, the process. Just where do you see the NBA MVP uh, in 2023 and all and everything associated with it debate discussion straw polls the whole thing what, what, what's your take on MVP process at this point uh, I think it's you know what is there 116 118 voters something like that I think it's 116 118 it's completely different criteria for for the award there is no criteria for the award it's whoever you think the best player is in a given year uh, can be the best player in the best team it can just be the best player in the league it can be the guy that averages the most points it can be the most efficient player it can be the guy that does more than anybody else more rebounds and assists and things like that there's no criterion so again i don't get worked up about things like this i know lots of people do i think it's ridiculous to get worked up about an award um because it's not based on anything objective <laughs> you know it's not like it's not like you know you're making a car and you have to cut the you have to cut the engine block a certain amount of centimeters you know what i mean like there's no criteria for it um not precise, so, yeah yeah it, it is what you think it is in a given year you know, Shaq is going to be mad forever that people voted for Steve Nash that year. <laughs> right. He's entitled right. to be mad. I'm entitled to say Steve Nash was the best player in the league that year, in my opinion. <laughs> and you can take, look, and again, before, I know people, you want to take the vote away from, from the media because of, because of uh, bonuses and things like that. Take it away. I don't care. Take it away. All I will tell you is, Look at the all-star vote amongst the players. You tell me who's being serious about this award and who is not being serious about awards. Look at the guys that get voted onto the all-star team by the players, not by the media. And tell me who's being serious and who's not being serious. Yeah, no, I don't think the vote should go to the players, but, and it is, there's a lot of subject subjectivity involved. And I, and I think that that's fine. Like, like you acknowledge that, but then we use these same awards in terms of how we rank and view players by winning them, uh, mm -hmm. like how to rate them and, and where they rank it, all it time. It does define them. Yeah, yeah and sure. so that's the issue with it being so subjective, in my opinion. Right, yeah. but I don't know how you solve that. How do you solve that? <laughs> you I know, don't want to solve it, because it's fun. Unless you don't want to give anybody any awards of any kind, which is a, which right. is a choice, How too. about this? I mean, it's, that is a it's choice. 20, it's 2023. <laughs> Let's just give out participation awards. Everybody right. gets every, everybody day, get orange slices. Everybody get look, orange slices at halftime. <laughs> look, I, I get it. I know that I know that people who are not my age decry rings culture, and yeah, yeah, you, it's not about the rings. It's about the process and all that. <laughs> Why do we play these games then? So <laughs> when oh the rings culture I, thing is the silliest thing I've find ever out, We all do this to find out who won at the end, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. the whole point? <laughs> to find out who the best team is in a given season. Well, how do you find that out? <laughs> By having a David championship. <laughs> you are the absolute best. <laughs> Eric B. Enemy knew it. He was so glad to get a question from you. We are so <laughs> glad to have you, man. Thank you for taking the time with us. We appreciate you. Thank I you, appreciate Thank it very you. Much. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So I have to preface everything I'm about to say during this conversation with, keep in mind, I spent an entire season around Richard Sherman, all right? Having said that, um, for somebody who has... One in a lot of areas of life. Russell Wilson stayed taking L's. This offseason, he's getting hit more than he probably did all season in Denver. And for all the escapability that he once possessed on the field, the reason he cannot escape this level of scrutiny, and the latest is a report that he tried to get John Schneider and Pete Carroll fired before they traded him to Denver. This from the Athletic. Not to mention all the you know, the extra coaches and his own quarterback coach and office space, all the things that Sean Payton said he ain't putting up with in Denver. The reason why Russell Wilson, no matter how many times he tweets, I love Pete and he was a father figure to me and John believed in me and drafted me as well. I never wanted them fired. All any of us wanted was to win. I'll always have respect for them and love for Seattle. The reason nobody believes that shit is because Russell Wilson has spent his entire career being the most inauthentic person possible. It's like so when you when you when you when you traffic in inauthenticity, Charles Robinson, like how are people supposed to believe you when it comes time to believe you? Like I don't think anybody believes that Russell Wilson, whose agent, I remember we argued about this, when his agent put out a list of the places that he hypothetically liked to be traded to, we knew it was over in Seattle. How is anybody supposed to believe that he did not try to get them fired? Get him how much influence he then received in Denver, right? Yeah, this is uh, this is uh, it. It puts things now. He's denied this, right? Okay, so uh, in fairness, he's denied it, right? That's our job as journalists. He has on the record denied it. (laughs) Yes, he has on the record denied it. And I, you know, I always call him the the uh, the vending machine interview because every single time you ask him a question, it feels like you're like F three. Yeah, <laughs> whatever yeah. the prescribed yeah. response is. Right. Uh, Go home. Let's ride. Yes, yes. <laughs> let's ride. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I, I will say this. It puts. I had not heard this. I had not heard that he tried to get John Schneider and Pete Carroll fired. Now that said, I think it fits, and here's why: the amount of vitriol that has come out of that organization about Russ since he left stopped making sense at some point. It's like, why Why are they still going after this guy? Why are they still 
throwing shade? Why are they still leaking things about, well, he didn't want to wear wristbands. Um, guys in the locker room didn't like him. You know, all the stuff about the, the additional personnel around him, the, the whole reality TV. Um, he was more concerned about, you know, selling a reality TV show than he was, you know, playing quarterback in Seattle. At some point, I'm like, why? Like, why? how many times are they going to run over this guy? Well, this actually makes it make sense to me. Um, what's what, you know, if you take a shot at the King, don't miss. Right. And this is like, you're taking a shot at two Kings. You are going to get yeah. Pete Carroll fired. You are going to get John Schneider fired. As a matter of fact, neither of those guys could probably get the other guy fired, but you think you're going to yeah, get right? both fired. I mean, it's just crazy. So I, I know he's denied it, but whether it's, it's easy to believe. I, it's easy. It's easy to believe, and and I think that Pete Carroll probably heard this, and he believes it. It makes sense to me the things that Pete has said about Russ. It makes sense to me the way he reacted after that first game against Russ when Seattle, uh, you know, beat the Broncos at home. Now that mm-hmm. now it makes sense because at, it, I, I was like, this should be far more amicable than it really is. But in yeah. this prism, yeah, I would I would hold the grudge if I was them. Yeah, and exactly. I mean, I, I I don't buy it just because, well, for a lot of reasons that you already stated, Michael, but in his response, Pete was like a father to me. That exchange between them at the end of the game, that didn't look like a father and a son. <laughs> it looked like very cold, two people who were not fond to see each other. I mean, people people fight their fathers all the time. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, like, I'm, I'm just saying that Touche. 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 Meanwhile, so our, our annual. By the way, Charles. So Charles, Natalie, I don't know if you know this. You, well, you do know this because you've seen Charles on the show plenty of times. Charles is the commissioner of our Super League, our 20 team fantasy football league. It's the best fantasy football league in America. Um, Charles knows that I changed the name of my fantasy football team name. Probably, you know, once or twice a week, maybe at minimum. I just, it, the inspiration just hits. Today, I've decided to name my team, hold me to this, Darkness Retreat. That is going to be the name of my team next year. So, can you shed any light, Charles, on what, if any, light Aaron Rodgers saw in this cave? And wh- when is this going to end? When is he going to decide whether to make 60 million from Green Bay or to ask to be traded to New York or wherever? The one interesting thing I think that's come out of this is, uh, you know, and he he said this on the Pat McAfee show when he was talking about other people reporting what was going on with him. His circle is smaller now. It definitely is smaller. Last year at this time, um, it was so noisy around him and it was not hard to find out a lot of things that he was saying um, things he was sharing with teammates, things he was sharing with people close to him. That's changed. It's 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 a lot harder to figure out exactly what's going on um, in his mind right now. Now that said, um, the the person that I have talked to probably the most about him um, basically has said this is more existential than people are really understanding. Like people are focusing it through a football prism. But Mm -hmm. the way it was described to me was he's definitely getting to this point that Tom Brady got to that, you know, uh, uh, that quarterbacks get to where they're sitting there going, okay, well now what, like, what's going to happen? What am I going to do? Like what realistically, Mm -hmm. what is, 
what am I doing now? What am I about? A little early and, midlife crisis type thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's like he because he doesn't look. He doesn't have the you know TV thing there. Like Tom had the TV thing. Peyton Manning had TV commercials. Whatever else was out there for him. Um, but realistically, what does Aaron really have outside of the Pat McAfee show? Like in terms of like how we absorb him, like where where we see him moving out um, as a person, and so that that's just kind of how it was described to me. Like you got like like this person said, you guys are focusing this all through football and the sixty million dollars and the Packers, but it's it's actually maybe a little bit bigger than that. And there's a human being here, is what you're saying. There's an actual, despite how he comes off, there's an actual human being here having. First world problems, but problems nonetheless dealing with the reality that the end may be near for him, not just in Green Bay, but in this chapter of his life. Yeah, I think there is. And those darkness retreats, by the way, I don't know if you've seen the video. There's like a YouTube video of a guy who did five days. It did not look <laughs> it looked like horrible. Like it was the guy was like sleeping like 16 hours and he didn't know if he had slept like three hours or a full day. That happens to me all the time. <laughs> I once went on a cruise, speaking of first world stuff, I went on a cruise, and if you haven't been on a cruise, the the inside cabins are cheaper, because there ain't no windows. Dog, I, I fell asleep on a cruise, I swear I didn't know what day it was, I didn't know where I was, I mean, it freaked me the hell off. out, you know what I'm saying? Why would you go on a cruise? <laughs> I mean, like, that's not even, I mean, why, why you got have on an inside stateroom? <laughs> why did I go, why did I want a cruise? No, I'm never. The fact that I can't swim, well, I mean, the, the Disney cruise was amazing. I highly recommend a Disney cruise. Oh, I ain't with that what? company no more, but I, but the no. Disney cruise is oh, no. awesome. That's number one. Number two, the inside stateroom was cheaper. I wasn't, I wasn't my idea. Bad idea. Don't ever do an inside stateroom. Point is, me and darkness is like I, the idea of, of of being in a in a cave in a hobbit's cave or wherever the hell he was freaks me out just talking about it. I get he, he definitely probably got some kind of clarity. That's for, that's for damn sure. Well, you so come I, into the combine for the for a week, right? For the combine, that's a darkness retreat. So, <laughs> <laughs> what are you about to say, Natalie? Yeah, Charles, I get that uh, he is a human, and we have to think about you know who he is and all of that kind of stuff. I do, I really do, but he's he ultimately has to make a decision at some point, yeah. <laughs> you know, about football. So. Any sense? What is your gut telling you what that decision may be? Well, the interesting thing about this is Bob McGinn, who is a long, he was a long time Packers, you know, he's covered the Packers. I read that. Came yeah. out and said, look, like they're, they're like ready to be done with them. I will yeah. say this inside the organization, there are definitely individuals who are like, like, I think there's what I call like two points of frustration. The first point of frustration is that they're even here, like dealing with this, because yeah. I think they thought Again. when they did the contract, right? I think they thought when they did the contract, they're like, this will be resolved quickly. It'll be an obvious decision. It's not going to be mm. a drag out scenario. Literally, when they signed the deal, they looked at where how the money was set up and they're like, well, this will be we won't have to go through this extended thing again. And so there's this frustration that they they're going through it again. The second point of frustration is that they can't express it. They can't say anything about it. They can't, they, they just have to sit there with their hands folded and go, yeah, you know, Aaron's taking his time and we're fine with it, which I don't think is true with everyone in the organization. I think there are people who are definitely frustrated with this. And, you know, I think what his decision's gonna be, I, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I wish I could tell, he, he's wanted elsewhere. I will say that. And I, and I think they're, 
are okay. certain individuals inside the Packers who want him. There are certain individuals inside the Packers who go, it's time. Like, let's just move on. Let's get the right. show. They got, they got a guy going into year four and a fifth year option yeah. to pick up in Jordan Love. Well, you said that he's wanted elsewhere. Are there people, anybody in New York, you know, the entire league, you know, New York and you know, the entire league in general, but New York in particular, is there anybody within the Jets organization with any reservations about whether yes. or not they truly want to be in the Aaron Rodgers business, given all that yes. it comes with. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there are people there that have reservations. Like I, I look, I think you have ownership that it are, they're very enticed by the idea of Aaron Rodgers coming in and quickly becoming a like they think, hey, we're, we're a Super Bowl contender. Like he walks in here, we're a Super Bowl contender. You know, coaching wise, um, I think even in the front office, it's like, okay, theoretically, we're a Super Bowl contender. We don't know what the chemistry is going to be like when he walks in this locker room with a lot of young guys. We don't know that, you know, we, there's this assumption that he's going to walk in, flip a switch the way Tom Brady did in Tampa, and mm. everything's going to be great. It's it's not a one-for-one one at all, at all. And by the way, Aaron's also not bringing anyone with him the way that Tom did. Remember, Tom brought whatever you want to say about Antonio Brown. It was a big deal the role Antonio yeah. Brown played. Rob Gronkowski. Super yeah. Rob Gronkowski, yeah. another guy. And yeah. and also those were two individuals who helped helped Tom ultimately implement what you needed to do in practice, what you need to do every day to become a Super Bowl mm. level team. Aaron's mm. not he's not doing I mean he didn't even want to do that in Green Bay with some of the young guys. He was frustrated. He's not going to sit there and like coddle and he wanted to play with his old guys you know and you go into you go into the jets and there's a lot of young guys there there's no guarantee he walks in and everybody just goes oh aaron you know this is so obvious what we were missing so um i would not say it's it's this 100 uh if they put it to a vote i think it would be a split vote now i think the consensus is they'd love to have him but i don't think it's unanimous well and then you have him for one then you're talking about one year I mean, what's in, in what next year? And forget about whatever contract he works out with the Jets. But if do you really want to get it get in bed with somebody year to year? If you're this, you know, I, I know the Jets I, are desperate to make the playoffs. I get it, and they got a young defense and they're ready to win now. But I don't know. I just it's just too much drama for me. They've already I been would, down this road with a former Packers quarterback. I would bet you it wouldn't be one year unless he was miserable. I, I think if he went and he was just absolutely miserable and felt like it was a bad decision then maybe it would be a one-year situation. I think if he went and they had success and he was enjoying himself and okay. he experienced New York in the kind of way that you hope you would experience it, well, but most players often don't get to I, experience I, I, it. I wonder if the Jets are going to tell Aaron Rodgers, if you come here and win, you'll be a first bat at Hall of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't get over the, he, the Derek Carr thing. Like, you ain't got a lot of kicking, Craig. Like, <laughs> oh, oh my man. God. That's the funniest thing I've heard all week. And it ain't even so much about Derek Carr. I like Derek Carr, contrary to what some people may think. I do like him. But he ain't nobody's first ballot Hall of Famer. Come on. Yeah, and, come I, on. And, and, and the Jets going to that. Just worry about this year. Worry about. Yeah, you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, are we talking? You'd have to have the second half of his career. Who? who okay, who's the second half? 
Like, I'm trying to figure out how we can. You're trying to figure out how it would actually happen. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm trying. I'm like, have we ever seen right. anyone in the NFL who had a solid, like, a good start to their career, but then had a second half to their career that completely that made them a first ballot Hall of Famer? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who, who that first is. ballot. Like, you want to try to discredit the Hall of Fame? I mean, listen, if he wins in New York, if Carr goes to New York and wins in New York, he'll never pay for a meal again. We can say that much, but first ballot Hall of Fame? This Come is on, the man. Type of stuff. This is the type of stuff why Dion's like, we need a Hall of Fame in the Hall of Fame. He's like, we need to start separating out. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Whew, man, I'm exhausted. Do I get some kind of bonus for doing four days this week? <laughs> um, I think I should get some kind of bonus. Actually, what I get is my own darkness retreat. That's why I'm saying weekend vibe. That's what I'm going on. For put, for putting up with me for four days, you should get something. Yes, you get. You didn't negotiate a raise. That's what you should do. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.